Merry Christmas, everyone. I'm Candy Easley, and I'm the executive pastor here at Bethany, and it is my privilege tonight to get to share with you the message that God had for the world. We've been studying this uh, sermon series called Becoming Human, and we've been looking at what does it really mean to be fully human. And tonight, we find out that God desired to communicate a message with the whole world for all time, not just maybe 10 years or 100 years, but a message that would last thousands of years unto eternity. How is he going to do that? How is God going to say or be something that would last for all time? What we celebrate tonight is that God communicated his great love for the world by becoming a human being. He was born in the person of Jesus. So tonight we're going to look at this idea of becoming human, becoming beloved. Up on our wall, we had this, these big words with the candles all Advent long these past four weeks. The word became flesh and lived with us. God came to be with us. In the message version of the Bible, it's translated this way. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous on the inside and out. Please pray with me. Gracious God, we thank you for the wonder of this night when you became God with us. We marvel at this fact that you so love the world that you emptied yourself. You became a human being. You took the long road of getting to know us by becoming human. God, we're together tonight and we're so grateful, whether we're in this room, whether we're watching online, we're, we're grateful to be here in your presence. Some of us come with questions about you and your birth. Did it really happen? What do I believe about it? Others of us come with questions about our world right now. Where are things headed? Are things opening up or shutting down again? Still others are just filled with gratitude this year to have survived a year, to have survived an illness. We ask that you would meet us here. Meet us in these moments. Meet us in the midst of our hopes and our fears, our doubts and our longings. God, I ask that you would open each of our hearts to this good news that in this tiny child, Jesus, you have come near. Amen. So tonight we're going to look at this idea of becoming human and becoming beloved. And I have two points for us to think about. The first one being wonder. God, There's a wonder in God becoming a human being. And then the second one, welcome. So first, let's start with wonder. There are moments of wonder when it's almost like something from kind of outside of ourselves breaks in and we notice it. And it's kind of like, oh, did you see that? I, I think of like the joy of a child, maybe, maybe about a five-year-old. Do you remember being five? And five-year-olds particularly love to talk about their birthday, like who's coming to the birthday, when the birthday is going to be. And it's just this joyous moment. Um, maybe as we get older, it's harder to find that joy about our birthday, but we can find it in other places. 
I particularly like to walk Green Lake, and especially during this sermon series when we've been invited to become more aware of those around us. I've been thinking about, as I'm walking around Green Lake, the things that are surprising, and some of them are from creation. Like, I have watched an eagle fish. So amazing. They're up so high, they had like the eagle eye, the great vision, and all of a sudden, shoom, down in the water, coming up with something in their talons. It's amazing. I love watching people. Like, first of all, look at these amazing bodies that we can walk 2.8 miles. We're young, we're old. Some people are bent over. Some people take wheels. I think it's totally unfair. It should all be walking, but oh well. I particularly love to watch toddlers when they see the flock of ducks, particularly maybe about their own size, and, and they just can't resist like walking into the flock of ducks. And then all of a sudden, what do the ducks do? And they make that sound and it scares the child. They go running back to someone who's there, maybe a safety zone. These are moments of wonder. It's like seeing God at work in these small ways, snippets of what we celebrate tonight. Tonight, we celebrate the wonder of wonders, the most amazing reality, the incarnation of God. The unseen God becomes seen in the baby Jesus. The ancient of days who was before time, the creator of all things, enters into time and space. The eternal becomes temporal. The infinite becomes finite. The divine becomes human. The mystery of God becoming human is both wonderfully material and also really mystical. Take out your hand, and and I want you to take a look at your hand, like your own hand facing you, all five fingers. Get it up close if you need to. And notice that at the end of your each of your fingertips, you have that, that fingerprint, those, those little markings. You can even trace them with your finger. These are called whorls. If you need a Scrabble word someday, W-H-O-R-L-S. And there's six common patterns of whorls, I learned. But each person's fingerprint is so unique that it is a way of identifying an individual. When you go to get your signature notarized, like you're buying a house or you're doing some sort of legal transaction, they not only have you sign your name, but they have you stick your thumb in the ink pad and then you mark it into the notary book. Like, that's me. That's my fingerprint. When you, uh, when the crime scene is being investigated, they take the glasses or they take the door, they, they put the powder on and they, they pull the fingerprint off because that can connect, uh, the perpetrator of that crime. Or now you can even unlock your phone with, with, your, with your thumbprint. There's something unique about each of us. We're each born human with our own fingerprints. When Jesus took on human form, he limited himself all the way down to, to having things like a human fingerprint. He gave up all the glories of heaven. Think about what God had to let go of, like take his hand off of being omniscient, like all knowing. Wouldn't it be great to be, you know, to be Google, like you to be Wikipedia, to be a walking encyclopedia. God knows it all, but he relinquished that. God had all the power there is to have. 
Jesus, who was with God in the beginning, before things were made, he, he had all the power even to create. And yet he appears in this most vulnerable way as a dependent baby. Not, not, didn't even come into the world as an adult. He came as an infant who couldn't make it on his own without his parents. He gave up his omnipotence. And then he gave up his omnipresence. That's the ability to be everywhere at the same time. Wouldn't it be nice to just be able to be two places at the same time? Like I'd love to be able to be washing the dishes and folding the clothes, like some chores, doing them both at the same time. God gave it up. Why? Why did God give up these supposedly essential aspects of being God? He gave this up so that we might know his great love for us, for all people over all time. Yes, for those who believe, but yes, for the whole world. He wanted to make the whole world a little better for everyone. Now, these traits that I've just described, being all-powerful, being all-knowing, being able to be everywhere at the same time, God can't pass those traits to us. But he does have traits that he passes. The incommunicable, those are the ones he can't pass on, but the communicable, these are the ones he gives us. By becoming human, God passes on to us his compassion, his goodness, his kindness, the ability to act justly, the ability to love even the unlovable. Jesus arrives as a newborn. And I've been really um, touched by this book that's called No Cure for Being Human. It's by a woman named Kate Baller, who is a cancer survivor. She's a professor at Duke. Like me, she's a cancer survivor. Unlike me, she's a professor at Duke. And she writes about uh, her experience. And when she goes to describe this idea of what changed, um, she puts it this way. Jesus arrives as a newborn with parents and a bedtime. Now, anybody in here have a bedtime? Yeah. What time? About nine o'clock? Eight o'clock? Nine? Anybody have an eight o'clock bedtime? Okay. Any of the rest of you uh, fall asleep on the couch? Like that happens as well? Mm-hmm. Watching a show? Mm-hmm. So Jesus limited himself in time and space. He even had a bedtime. And in this, in this God becoming human, our understanding of what is in time and outside of time changed. Kate Baller says this, so the Christian understanding of what is forever and what is chronological, like what is in time, bends around Jesus. Time itself sort of bends. We come to understand that the eternal has broken in into this life through Jesus. This happens in our lives as well. We're invited into being part of this. A couple of days ago, I had the great privilege of taking all those gift bags that this congregation so generously gave, gifts for women, gifts for men, and delivering them to the Aurora Commons. And I wasn't by myself. We had a couple of staff people, a couple of volunteers here from the church. And we spent a good amount of time loading those gifts into a truck until the truck got over full. 
And then we had to pull up a couple cars and fill the cars with gifts. And then we drove them over to Aurora Commons. And as we got to Aurora Commons, which is like only like half a mile from here, um, they showed us around and said, we're going to put the gifts on these two tables. And I thought to myself, like, I'm an executive pastor. I know administration. Like, these gifts are not going to fit on that those two tables. They're in a truck and two cars. But it's like, go with it. We'll figure it out as we go along. And then these other volunteers arrived from another church and there were a couple of teenage boys, and I kind of felt like they were like rolling their eyes at this task ahead of them. And our mission pastor, Nathan, t- said, hey, let's stop a moment and I'll introduce ourselves. And I thought like, no, let's like get on with the task here, Nathan. We don't need to introduce ourselves. It's raining. It's going to get worse. Let's get this thing done. Nathan's like, nope, let's take a moment. Let's introduce ourselves, kind of like being human with one another. So we did. And with, then we got to the task and we got out to the truck and like I'm up in the truck and I'm handing things over and some of the bags are over full and we're trying to like make the ribbon work. And these young men started to ask questions about what was in the bag. Like, why are these so heavy? Well, we started talking about what was in the bag. And some of you know that in the bag, there were the things that you and I might have at home, maybe are going in our stockings or sitting around special treats for Christmas, like Ghirardelli chocolates or a candy cane. Um, maybe there was a pair of gloves. Maybe there's a little makeup or jewelry for the women. And it's like, that doesn't really explain why these bags are so heavy, does it? Well, then we got to the things that were also essential to the bag. There was a tarp. There was this a blanket. There was a power pack for a phone for when you don't have anywhere to plug in your phone and you have to make the battery recharge. And I got to thinking to myself how vulnerable it would be if the things that I had under my Christmas tree were the things that were going to keep me warm at night. I didn't have a roof over my head. I didn't have a warm blanket or a mattress. I had the things in this bag. So These bags, they were a way of saying, you're loved. These are the one gift that most of those folks are going to receive this year. This gift, this bag, is the way of saying, you're beloved. In the name of Jesus, you're loved. Pastor Megan told me that a little while later that afternoon, when she was driving down Aurora, she saw people with their bags. They were walking down the street. They were getting on the bus or getting off the bus. She said she saw about 40 of them out walking around. Not the bags, the people. God wants to tell us that we're beloved and God wants us to pass that love on. So our second point that brings us to is the idea of welcome. Joseph and Mary were on their way up to be counted in the census, and they were going to Joseph's hometown. And one would expect that if a pregnant woman arrived in the hometown, that the relatives would welcome her. That was the norm. But evidently, all the kind of rooms that were appropriate for them were full. And so where they ended up is we know to be a stable. It might have actually been sort of like an attached garage for animals, if you will. And when they move into that space, we can, we can guess that that isn't quite what they expected. That isn't quite the welcome that they were anticipating. And sometimes it's that way for us, isn't it? That the places we long to be accepted are the very places where we develop a sense that we're not enough. In some way, we're not really welcome. 
When we come around the corner in life expecting comfort and support, there's a no vacancy sign put out. We can spend our whole life trying to belong somewhere. When my mom was growing up in San Francisco, uh, she was, grew up in a home in which Armenian was spoken because her grandparents who lived there spoke no English, and so her parents always spoke Armenian. That was the only language spoken in the home. And my mom never felt comfortable bringing anyone from her school, any of her friends, to her home because she was embarrassed that, that people didn't speak English. So she tried really, really hard when she left the home to look like she fit in. And back in that time, it was cardigan sweaters and bobby socks and saddle shoes. But in our Seattle community, we work pretty hard to fit in too, don't we? What would you say it is that, that people wear? I'd vote on the black Patagonia jacket. That's kind of a standard Seattle outerwear. And then Birkenstocks are pretty popular, right? And then what about jeans? They just went from being like kind of tight and fitted to a little looser, but not too loose. So you've got the not too tight, not too loose jeans. Because you're trying to fit in. We're trying to belong. We want that sense that we are welcomed into existence. And that's what God is trying to communicate to us by becoming human. Christmas means you can breathe deeply. You don't have to strive. You don't have to try to fit in. You don't have to try to be worthy. The message from God is you don't have to find your way to me. You don't have to find your way to belonging. I have come to you. You belong. You're welcome. You're part of my family. I want you to be near me, and I want to be near you. Jesus is mighty, not because of his capacity to overcome hardship, but because of his willingness to go right through hardship, to let go of all the glories of heaven and become a human being, a finite limited human being with all the ups and downs that life brings. By stepping into the human condition, he welcomes us to be ourselves. He welcomes us to be a part of the story that he's writing. There's no tryouts. Come as you are. Come with your doubts. Come with your baggage. Just come. So God is welcoming us into his story, and he's inviting us to be part of the wondrous work that he's doing. And as we move now to the candle lighting, we're we're reminded that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. The light of the world, the light shines in darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. God is so committed to communicating this to his love for the whole world that he does it in so many ways. He does it through creation and the wonders that we see in creation. He does it in the person of Jesus. He speaks this truth through scripture and he speaks this truth through, through you and me. Later in Matthew, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Please pray with me. Great God, we thank you for this night. We thank you that you took on human flesh, that you became a vulnerable baby in the person of Jesus. We thank you that you meet us in our vulnerability, that you don't ask us to overcome it. You don't ask us to be more than we are. You don't ask us to fake it, but you step right in. And so God, we want to say yes to that. 
We want to say, yes, we see you. Yes, we thank you. We receive you. We receive your welcome. And God, we thank you that you have made space for us in your story, that it's not up to us, but it's up to the work that you've done in the person of Jesus. So as we turn to the lighting of these candles, we ask that we would receive your light in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you.